Wow. Sound quality 10 out of 10. <laughs> that was... What a great pop. I know. God. It's skilled. <laughs> Lots of skills for the past nine years How's that I've legally been drinking. <laughs> um, We're drinking a... John Gott. Oh, wait, no, Joel. no. Oh, wrong J. Joel Gott, a 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon. 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 In the great state of California. Yes. Is where the bottle is from, not us, obviously. And cheers. Cheers. Episode three and also episode one is coming out tomorrow. <gasps> I'm... Very hype. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm going to have to take like three <laughs> melatonin just to get to sleep. Wait, so is it coming out at actually 12 a.m.? No, because I Because I be saw awake. that timer and I was just like... <gasps> yeah, I posted the timer and then I went, not that anyone is wa- Not that anyone is waiting. Like, I don't know. We do that have... anxiously. According to Anchor, based on our trailer, we do have 40 unique listeners. Wow. If you are one of the 40 unique listeners that listened to our trailer where we fumbled around, cheers to you. Cheers to you. Cheers to also, apparently, uh, we have our first out-of-the-country listener from Norway. So cheers wow. to uh, Norway and our Norway listener. Norway listener, if you write us, write us. Yes. Let us know. Rate it. Ooh, we're also on Apple Podcasts now. Mm. So if you listen on Apple, make sure you rate. Yes, we're on Apple sure Podcasts. Uh, also, uh, I guess since we're doing a news corner real quick, we're on Apple Podcasts. Please go rate, subscribe, review, do all the things, you know, if you want to, if you like us. If you don't, please try to keep the hate to yourself unless there's a legitimized reason. So uh, while we're doing news corner, we also have stickers on the website. Super Woo-hoo! exciting. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, if you have any issues with getting the stickers, just let me know. Shoot over an email from the website, and we'll try and help you out and get the stickers to you. Uh, we're also planning on releasing some new merch soon in the next few weeks, I guess. I'm trying to think of mm-hmm. when this episode comes out. Yeah, by the time this episode comes out, we'll be releasing some new merch pretty soon. Um. But yeah, so that's all of our news. And uh, what's new in your life? Ooh, I also want to say, um, make sure to follow us on social. We'll tell you at the end too. But um, Lindsay recently put out a really cool TikTok about a Jane Doe. So, well, by the time this comes out, I probably will we'll probably put have out several, <laughs> quite a few TikToks. <laughs> so go follow us on TikTok. Watch yeah. our stuff. We See lo- our faces. We love Gen Z. <laughs> We love you. I'm still always going to do my side part. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I got with the middle part a few years ago, so I feel very hip. The thing with the middle part is I did the middle part all throughout, like, middle school, and I have I feel like I've I've earned the right to do a side part. <laughs> you did your time. I did my time. I also did my time with bell-bottom pants, everything else. <laughs> it's my time for skinny jeans. I saw... I th- did... I went through all the trends. I saw this tweet about the, you know, the the hip the hip jeans, and they had, like, the super long flare, and... Uh, I hate it. Whenever you would... It was a photo of Gen Zers will never know, and it was, like, all the water and dirt that's just caked on the bottom of yeah. your those jeans whenever yep. you, like... Just because they cover your weird sneakers, like, mostly Converse... <laughs> 
See, that wasn't necessarily yes. my time to be alive. Um, that was I. I was there. I lit. I survived. I, I was plaid shorts and Tom's type of gal. That was my time to be alive. Christian, Christian gal kind of. Christian gal. Christian 2000s. girl style. Yes, Christian girl style two thousands. Also going to Justice. <laughs> The sparkly teas from Justice. Yeah, that see, was... I was never a Justice gal. Justice was past my time. Yeah. I was past Justice. I, When people were at Justice, I was like in my emo phase, and I was like, Hot Topic is my shit. <laughs> I just see I you will... in Hot Topic with black fingernail polish. Oh, yeah, me and Garrett, we were both into it. I remember Garrett's emo phase where he actually – he's still emo, let's be real, but – when he was like actual emo, like he dressed like it. Does everyone? And I just think back to that point and I'm like, I married that child. <laughs> Does, okay, question, real question. Mm-hmm. Does everyone go through an emo phase? Yes or no? I think I want to say yes. It's just part of being a teenager. But as far as like emo, dr- like dressing emo and like looking emo, probably not. I hit, I would say my emo phase probably around. Honestly, my senior year, which I feel like is a little late. I feel like senior year, I was a little late to the ball game. Yeah, my emo phase was like seventh and eighth grade. See, so. but I was also homeschooled, so I was always late to the ball game on literally everything. But yeah. my emo phase was like I constantly wore black jeans, black shirt, and a plaid like giant over shirt over it. Uh-huh. And uh, obviously Converse's. And uh, I dyed like the, the ends of my hair red. I don't know why the ends. I dyed the ends of my hair black. Oh, no. <laughs> and I did it, like, me and my, like, RIP, one of my friends who is no longer alive, we got, like, um, like a temporary kit from, like, Walmart that people used to, like, dye their roots, and we literally just, like, dyed the tips of our hair black oh my at our God. house. I was savage. Also, funny, funny story, when I was in my emo phase... I can't, it was like two years and ninth grade was like the first day of school and I was still really just emoed out. And my friend Ryan, um, she came to school dressed in like normal clothes and I just remember looking at her and I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, she's like, we're in ninth grade and I want to dress normal now. And I just looked at her (laughs) and I was like, I'm so immature. I need to dress normal now. Oh, everyone has that face, though. Wherever. I just, like, the light switch in me clicked, and I was like, I can't be like this forever. It's time to move on. <laughs> See, everyone has that moment whenever you are in high school or junior high, you're switching over. Everyone has that moment where they suddenly realize, I am not good enough at literally anything. <laughs> you just, you do. And so that's when you start to kind of break <clears throat> off into your niches in high school, I feel like. It's the moment when you're like, I... truly hate myself also it was depressing because it was the first day like back at school from the summer and i had already bought all my school clothes because you know (laughs) school shopping and i was like all my stuff is black how can i make this more girly oh my gosh i can't my mom told me one day my senior year when i was leaving out the door she was like Lindsay, and i was like what because it was like early morning she was like she was crying she was like i just you're just you're so dark all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I like the color black too, but I don't wear it every day. <laughs> like she just had a psychotic break just like early in yeah. the morning. Yeah. Just like that was when she, 
she she switched over. She was like, this is enough. I can't do it. Oh, and what she didn't know is that's when I was secretly, because I had just turned 18, that was when I was secretly getting tattooed. It was like oh, the end of my senior year, and so I was poor, secretly getting tattooed. Poor Lindsay's mom. She just <laughs> didn't even, she didn't know. Oh, uh, no, but when she found out, it was spring break of my senior year is when she found out. because that you, I, got a, that you had a tattoo? Well, I, I was on tattoo number three, and I called her. She didn't know about the first two. I called her from, I was at spring break with some friends, and we were in Louisiana of all places. And we obviously were like, let's go get tattooed. We're all 18 now. And I called up my mom from the tattoo parlor, and I was like, hey, mom, just want to let you know. I'm getting tattooed, FYI. And she just started crying. And she was like, where are you putting it? And I was like, uh, my arm. And she hung up on me. <laughs> and now you almost have a full sleeve. And now I almost have a full sleeve. But lucky for her, everything turned out fine. Although she did tell me at the time my life would not turn out okay. She told me bad things about tattoos. That yeah. What they would do to my life and my career. Oh, no. And then... Uh, my boss actually has more tattoos than I do, so <laughs> suck it, mom. When my mom saw my arm tattoo, she was like, all she said was, wow, it's really big. She was like, <laughs> she was like. But you're I, an adult. You're in your 20s. I'm an adult. I Yes, I am. I was and my, 18. And my mom, had, my mom has tattoos, so like she, oh, can't, okay. really be, she oh. can't really judge me. My mom doesn't. And so she just saw my, but her, my mom's tattoos, she has two and they're very, very small. Like um, if you don't like know that they're there, you won't pay attention to them. Yep. They're like on her ankle, very nineties, little early dare, 2000s. Little dare tattoos. And <laughs> yes. And so she, she just saw my arm tattoo and she was like, wow, it's, it's just really big. <laughs> That's mom's polite way of saying, what a career killer you put there. My mom doesn't really care, though. I'm her golden child, if we're being honest. <laughs> Unless my siblings listen to this. Um, See, I'm my mom's golden child. Yeah. And she still was like, this is it. I lost the golden child. That's how she felt <laughs> she, when she saw she my tattoo. She was my last chance. I ruined it. She ruined my last chance. Now, <laughs> we're fine now. Me and my mom, are, we see mm-hmm. eye to eye now. I think it has something to do with the nice car and the great job, but we are fine. <laughs> she was like, I think, yeah. I think she thought my life was really, like, this was the I beginning. Think, I don't even think, I I don't even, like, granted it is winter, so I don't, I rarely see you without sleeves, but I, like, I don't even, like, notice your tattoo, really. I forget about all of my tattoos, and then just some days I'm just about to get in the shower, and I'm like, oh my god. I have a lot of tattoos. I always forget about my side tattoo, and then until I'm like naked, and I'm like, because you know, everyone, everyone, don't even lie, looks at themselves in the mirror before they get in the shower. Yeah, no, everybody does. Everybody does, and I'm like, oh wow, you my have side to, tattoos there. You have to. Assess, I always forget. You have to assess damage. <laughs> I've had a lot of quarantine damage. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot more of me. I've like. There's a. I'm just a bigger person. There's just, yeah, you just, like, I have the same experience. Like, I got, the first time I went to the doctor during quarantine, I literally, like, she was like, okay, now you can get on the scale. And I got on the scale, and I looked at the number, and she was like, oh, okay. And I literally went, ah, that's not real. Like, out loud. I was like, that's not real. And she was like, she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, this weight. I was like, your scale. I was like, my shoes are on. I was like, do you want me to take my shoes off? Like, I literally asked her, I was like, do you want me to take my shoes off? They're pretty chunky sneakers. And she was like, no, 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 you're fine. This is probably accurate. Like, my shoes weighed an extra 15 pounds. But the scale does not matter. 
No, no, no. Scale doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, I really thought that my chunky sneakers from Adidas were 15 pounds. Like, I really was like, this isn't real. I, yeah, the last time I went to the gyno, I was just like, oh, no. And that's before quarantine. And, like, I looked at the scale and I was like, oh, no. And that was before. So I'm sure I've gained, like, at least, yeah, probably, like, 15 pounds since quarantine. The next time I went back to the doctor, she was like, okay, now step on the scale. And I was like... You, I was literally just here. I don't think you need this. And she was like, no, no, no. It's just for records. And I was like, okay. Uh, it's fine. Do you want to talk about murder? I would love to. Actually, I'm going to talk about a disappearance today. But yes, I assume you're going to talk about murder. And I'm very excited. Let's, yeah. Let's talk about true crime. Yeet. Let's go. Um, my murders today are actually super depressing. <laughs> are they ever not? <laughs> you're right. You're right. This is extremely depressing. It's an ongoing case. Uh, I'm doing the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German, otherwise known as the Delphi murders. I'm not going to lie to you. I spent so many hours doing research on this that it sent me into a depressive state. (laughs) It really did. I started getting really angry and really, like, depressed. Mm -hmm. But then I got mad towards the end of my research. I was like, "Now now I'm just pissed. I'm just pissed. Anyway, we'll get into it. So my sources are as follows. Wikipedia, whoop whoop, please donate, uh, FBI.gov, The Indie Star, Crime Door, which I'm going to sidebar here. Crime Door is one of the absolute best apps ever invented. I and haven't used Crime Door yet, but I really, really want to. This is ad-free. This is just pure endorsement material here, baby. Like, Crime Door is where it's at. Uh, specifically for the Delphi murders, the person who helped collaborate um, to create the profile on crime doors about the murder was uh, Liberty's sister, Kelsey and Paul holes. Oh, that's fun. They're the ones who made the profile case on crime door for these murders. So you know, it's legit. I mean, these cases, a lot, Paul holes had a lot to do with crime door. Like Mm -hmm. I see a lot of stuff with his name on it. They also crime door. It creates a, um, like an AR experience where you can actually visit crime scenes from your phone. That's so fun. So, this is one of the murders that does have a, uh, you can actually go and you can see the scene from your phone. It's kind of crazy. Um, I also got information from Down the Hill podcast that's by Warner Media, um, mm. or CNN reporters actually are the hosts. And of course, the infamous uh, Murder Squad podcast uh, with we love uh, it. Billy Jensen and Paul Holes, mm-hmm. which we stand. And I also, uh, some kind of honorable mentions here the delphi murders by chasing evil documentary on youtube and i just put reddit (laughs) just an honorable mention to reddit yes Uh, because i'm going to start with the facts of the case and then i'm going to move into some some suspects some theories and then i have some wackier things at the end i am so I am so, 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 so excited. I'm excited too. Okay, let's get into it. Okay. So on February 13th, 2017, Abby Williams and Libby German went for a hike on the, uh, as many podcasts as I heard say this, I should know how to say it, Monon High Bridge, Monon High Bridge, Mm. Monon, I'm going to say Monon, High Bridge (laughs) around one o'clock on a warm Monday afternoon. The girls were out of school for the day, and they were trying to be out in nature. They're eighth graders at the local middle school, and basically the middle school had, like, built-in snow days, and when they didn't use it, they were like, hey, you can have Monday the 13th off. The girls were, like, sick. Um, We're going to go take a hike. So these girls were best friends. They met 
on the volleyball team in the sixth grade, and they just clicked immediately when they met. Mm -hmm. So Abby was an only child who loved animals. She made friends easily. Her mom said she got along with everyone. She loved to read. She was a great student. She was also athletic and outgoing. So basically, she was everything I wanted to be and more when I was in the eighth grade. (laughs) I wanted to be all these things. Uh, Libby loved music. Her favorite band was 21 Pilots. She played softball. Her mom said she was super athletic. She was always on the go. Her first guitar was a pink guitar, which really hit me in the, in the soul because my first guitar was a pink guitar. So sweet. And so it really hit me in the soul there. She played sax in the school band. Her mom said she was always playing guitar and she was a fierce and loyal friend. According to Libby's grandmother, Libby was a true crime murderino and uh, she wanted to be in forensics when she grew up. Fun. I know. She just, I mean, just the, both of these girls are just total just badasses. Yeah. Um, on February 13th, Libby's sister Kelsey dropped the girls off at the trailhead around 1 o'clock with the expectation to pick them up closer to 3. So Kelsey leaves but notices that there's others on the trail, and so she feels safe to leave the girls. So this is Libby's older sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 2.07, Libby posts a photo of Abby on the bridge on Snapchat with no caption. So a little bit of back information on this, like, trail. So the high trail is known to the community, uh, but not necessarily to outsiders. It's not super remote, but it's kind of, like, not tucked away either. It's just kind of, like, there's access, but if you're not from the area, you might not think, oh, I need to go here. It's not like a, it's not like a sightseeing place for people driving through town. Right. So you would need to be more local to be like, oh, yeah, let's totally go there. Uh, but this particular kind of area where the trail is... It's a super tall bridge where people go to take photos, engagement photos, or senior pics, or anything like that. It's just kind of a local haunt where people go. It's, uh, the bridge is over a creek called Deer Creek. And mm-hmm. if you see the photos of it, and if you use the Crime Door AR features, you can see it's crazy high up. And there's mm. giant, like, kind of holes in the bridge. So if you're not, like, you definitely have to watch where you're stepping. So it's kind of like a sketchy kind of... Kind of, but it's an actual trail. Like, there's people oh, on the okay. trail. There's, like, like... People go to is it, it. Is it like a popular place? By locals, yes. Okay. So by locals, it is a popular place. There's actual hiking trails. Um, the bridge itself is where people take photos and stuff. So yeah, it's a popular oh, yeah, place. Gotcha. Um, but at the time uh, where the photo was taken on Snapchat at 2.07, it looks like Libby and Abby are the only girls on the bridge. They're the only people on the bridge. So at 3.15, when Libby's father goes to pick the girls up, they're nowhere to be found. So the family does their own search of the area, thinking that maybe the girls lost track of time and are wandering around. But after no such luck, they go to the police, and Abby's mom gets a phone call to come down to the police station. According to Abby's mom, she didn't start getting worried until closer to midnight when nothing was turning up, and the local department called off the search. So this is actually a really big point of tension because people are really angry that around midnight on the 13th that the local authorities called off the search. Because they had dogs out, they had people searching, they had lots of um, people around the area. And so there's a lot of people who think that if they would have kept searching into the night, that they might have actually gotten more hints or leads on the killer. But they called off the search early. Um, So on February 14th, oh, and there was also an Amber Alert put out immediately. Mm. On February 14th, Valentine's Day 2017, when the searching resumed... The girls' bodies were found half a mile upstream from the bridge. From the photo that 
uh, Libby posted of Abby on Snapchat, the bodies were found on the opposite side of the bridge from where they were at 207. So it was almost as if the girls had like crossed the bridge mm-hmm. and then that was the side that they were found on upstream half a mile. Um, so they were found near the Deer Creek in a remote wooded area by trees. And police have not released info on how the girls died, any injuries, and the autopsy remains a giant mystery to this day. On February 15th, authorities released a grainy photo of the man that the world has come to know as BG, or Bridge Guy. Mm. So creepy. So The photo shows a man walking across the bridge toward Libby and Abby with his hands in his pockets and his face is kind of obscured. Mm-hmm. The only thing that can really be determined from the photo is that the man is Caucasian and clearly has no issue walking across the bridge because he has his hands in his pockets. And like I said, the bridge is super tall. Mm-hmm. It's got really big gaps. And so he's walking across the bridge just fine with his hands in his pockets, which when I looked at it, I was like, if I were going to walk across this bridge, I would do the whole cheesy thing where you stick your arms out and you're like trying to be really careful walking across and keep your balance because it's really freaking high and scary looking. But the guy like keeps his hands in his pockets. Like he's comfortable on the bridge. Like he's been there plenty of times. Like he's been there. Yeah. So at this time, a reward was promised to anyone with information leading to an arrest of $41,000, but no such luck. On July 17th, same year, police release a sketch of a middle-aged looking man who has a goatee. And on April 19th, 2019, so almost a year and a half later, a new direction is announced in the case. And on April 22nd, the video clip of the bridge guy that was just previously just a photo, Mm -hmm. actually it was a part of a video clip. And that video clip is released, but only about a second of it. And in this, the first thing people notice is the man's gait. He has kind of an interesting gait. And this is when I got on Reddit and got into some, like, kind of tiny rabbit holes. A gait? So the way he walks. So oh, okay. The way he walks across the bridge was super interesting. So I actually got into this Reddit thread where there's a woman on there who's a nurse. And she actually called out that it has a very specific name, the way his gait is. And it actually can come from, like, a hip disease. So it could be potentially he could uh, be someone who's been in a car accident or has a hip disease. Um, But then other people pointed out, well, maybe he's just trying to get across the big wide gaps and that's like the slats. Um, But then there were also investigators like like, Billy Jensen, Paul Holes, who mentioned like that doesn't necessarily take away from your gait. But it's really not a long enough clip to discover like anything new from it. Mm-hmm. But it's around the same time that things kind of become interesting. People start to kind of uh, be doubtful of law enforcement uh, because a new sketch is released that looks completely different from the original. Instead of a middle-aged man, it's a young man, and he looks actually extremely baby-faced. And law enforcement now says that the suspect could be anywhere between 18 and 40, which is I way re- too big a gap. I remember, like, I remember the video clip, the down-the-hill video clip. Well, that hasn't been released yet. So the audio oh, clip. So it's just, oh, so it's just, just him video. walking. So, okay, yeah. well, either way, I remember looking at that in my initial, because I've seen it a million times, and it does not seem like a young man to me. I would say maybe like, maybe late 20s, 30s, 40s. I don't see an 18-year-old. So the actual audio clip of the, that was taken on Libby's phone of the man saying, down the hill was released on February 22nd. But um, when I mentioned in April of 2019, when they released the video clip, then they released a slightly longer audio clip of that was of the original, where it, now it, he says, guys, down the hill. There's like a pause in between guys and down the hill. 
That's all they released. Long- Do they think they maybe like edited it? Um, there are specu- there's speculation that they did edit in between guys and the word down. And then mm-hmm. there were also some regional dialect experts who came in about the word guys, trying to determine if that could affect his age. And they basically decided, no, it didn't affect his age or where he's from. Um, so the guys down the hill, the full audio that we know of was released in April of 2019. And the new sketch was released. The video clip was released and that was pretty much it. There was a press conference held and the local authorities really urged people to stop thinking of the man as older, start looking for a younger man. And that also this man could blend in very easily with the community. I wonder why though, why they did that. If no one really knows, like why would you urge people to stop looking for an older man? If you don't really know, like there's gotta be more on the video. Apparently that we haven't seen to make them think that it's an older person individual well apparently paul holes thinks that they were trying to make the guy feel safe enough that he Mm. wasn't being looked for yeah and then when that kind of failed they they were opted to okay actually who we are that they had that sketch the whole time who we are looking for is actually younger so the fact that they they did have the younger person sketch from 2017 even though it wasn't released till 2019 they had had it the whole time okay but they just didn't release it until 2019. And so there's a lot of um, people who are angry about that for obvious reasons. Um, But also we're not involved in the case. And so there's, I think there's a back and forth that I noticed online when people talk about it, where some people are like, they probably know things that they can't tell us about. And this is a big part of it. And we don't want to mess it up. But then there's other people who are like, why would they withhold this? This is clearly neglect, all kinds of stuff. I understand that. But like, I guess from like, if I lived there, and I was like, wait, you've had this sketch for two years. Like, especially if I was there, if I had kids too, and I was terrified, like not knowing if he's a serial killer, all this stuff. And then to know that you were just holding on to a sketch for two years, like it, that's, I could see why some people would be upset about that. That would make me upset. I think if I was a resident and I was yeah. like terrified for mine and my family's well being, that would be upsetting to me. So The parents, well, specifically Libby's mom, thinks that her theory originally in 2018 was that her daughters ran across a drug deal gone bad. Mm. Apparently, it was very well known that that area was a drug drop space for um, local crime dealer or drug dealers and like kind of high crime people and that it was a remote area of the woods that they would go. And so her suspicion initially was that they came across something they weren't supposed to. Mm. Now, we also have to keep in mind, even the parents were not given information about how their daughters died. Right. The police said that it was one of the most brutal crime scenes when they came across the bodies. Mm -hmm. The FBI called it of most violent nature. So this is where it starts to get interesting um, because there's a few persons of interest, but I'm really only going to name two Because everyone who's been named as a person of interest has ultimately been decided that they're not of interest anymore. So the two that stood out to me, though, in January 2019, Charles Elridge was arrested in Union City, Indiana, on charges of child molestation. The Randolph County Police reported him to the FBI because of his strong resemblance to the sketch at the time. But this was prior to the new sketch of the younger man. This was when they thought it was a middle-aged man, or at least they were telling the public that. Right. So Elridge has a history of... Child solicitation, child molestation. He seemed like a viable suspect to the police, but he was quickly dismissed. 
The next and most prime suspect of the case so far was Daniel J. Nations. He was actually reported because in September of 2017, he was arrested for threatening hikers on a trail in Colorado with a hatchet. Why was he a suspect? Because Nations was from Indiana. He was driving a car with expired Indiana plates, which alerted the Indiana police. Um, Indiana police wouldn't disclose any information on the investigation, but in February 2018, they announced that they were still looking into him, but he was really not a prime suspect anymore in the Delphi murders, but he was a sex offender who had failed to register as a sex offender. Mm. That'll do it. That'll do it. So the unfortunate thing about this case is that we are four years later as of February, and there's been no arrests made. Um, According to the mom of Libby on a YouTube doc that was released this year, she hasn't received any more updates from the police since the spring Mm. of 2019. That's a long time, two years. That's a long time. To, I mean, radio silence. So is, like... Is it cold? Are they still actively investigating? I'm glad you bring that up. Uh, FBI and police maintained in a news release this year that the case is not cold and that they aren't giving up. And on the FBI website, the unidentified suspect is named as a top 10 most wanted because of crimes of extreme violent nature. Yes. Do we know what he did to them besides just nope. murdering them they haven't released any not that i want to know but i'm like did they release that nope they haven't released anything that is really sketchy that makes me think that it's really bad they said it was one of the in the search party it was actually unfortunately from what i have read it was a family member who came across the bodies oh, no. and from what i've read the search party it was extremely brutal it was extremely so were they brutal. found actually down the hill or like yeah where were th- they were found by the creek bank oh no a half a mile like upstream yeah in a wooded area oh my god okay. so my question is how and why would the fbi be involved in a local indiana case so according to um the down the hill podcast that i listened to the fbi was already in delphi when this happened yeah That's interesting. Yeah, super interesting. So why would the FBI already be in a tiny town in Indiana, and why did they get so involved in the murder of two girls unless there was something very specific that stood out? Yeah. Something very specific. So keep that in mind. So on Murder Squad, Paul Holes does mention that he did speak with the investigator on the case, who did divulge some more things to Holes, but Holes mentioned on the podcast Murder Squad that he obviously would not divulge the secrets. No, I want to know. He doesn't want to... He Paul Holes himself Ugh. said that if he did reveal it, it would, um, it would hurt the case. Because, and Paul said, kind of quote-unquote, it's a very, very difficult case from a physical evidence point of view. Basically, their problem is if they catch the guy based on physical evidence, they couldn't put him away. They, they don't believe there would be enough to put them away. So they need to keep evidence even close if, to the Even best. if they had DNA that he was there? So even with what they have so far, they basically need to have someone in custody who trips up and gives them a detail that hasn't been released to the public. So maybe... Are you alluding to the fact that they may already know who it is? But um, they are... They can't get him yet, and they don't want him to maybe be a flight risk. That's or... a theory. That's a theory. But Ooh. there's also a theory that they have no clue who it is. And But they have no clue who it is. They don't want false confessions is the main reason. Mm. So I listened to an interview from the new prosecutor in the county, 
Um, he said that that is their biggest thing is that why they don't release information. They don't want false confessions that would lead to loss of man hours, manpower, which is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as difficult as it is, I mean, Libby's mom said on the documentary I, I mentioned on, that's on YouTube, she mm-hmm. mentioned how she wishes they would try a new angle and would release information about the case. I, I mean, when it gets to a certain point, it's like you can't sit on information forever. And ex- like, like I understand, like maybe withholding some things be- for certain reasons. Yeah. Like maybe you don't want someone to get scared and run away, or maybe you don't want to like stir up too much. Like you, if you do know who it is, so it's like I get that. But after how like how long does it take for you to be like, okay, it's been five years and we still don't know anything. Maybe we should release something so here's the thing too i i got into another reddit hole but this one seemed like a pretty reliable information someone brought up on one of the reddit threads what about revisiting do they think this guy's revisited the crime and there was no like no one's talked about it obviously in any interviews or anything but apparently in some of the search warrants and investigations and interviews of men around delphi uh, it was mentioned that they were being interviewed because they'd been spotted on the trail on camera. So there are some measurements being taken to see if this guy's going to revisit. Well, and then you also have to think, like, if it is a popular area, there's probably a lot of people visiting, especially people who are those people that are visiting just because it was a murder scene. Like, like you were talking about trying to go to that house and dig up the backyard. <laughs> like, you would go. You'd be like, yeah. we need to go down the hill and, like just be there for a second and like, look at it. Like we would be those people. So it's like, how do you distinguish like between the crazies? Yeah. Between the crazies and the people who are just like curious. Uh, I think they do because, so this is the other thing Paul Hole said, uh, from his outside looking in professional opinion mm-hmm. that they did bring in the BAU to do a profile. Fun. I, yeah. Uh, I, my but, dream, like my dream dream, is to meet someone from the BAU. And the have real me, BAU, yeah. Yes, the real BAU, and just ask them questions. Like, yeah, about profiling. I want to yes. know everything about profiling. I know. I, and then I'd ask them about like cases. I'd be like, so in this case, they have a museum apparently at Quantico of killers, like famous killers. I want to go. Like they have a, like they have like a Bundy section. They have like a, yeah. I know. I want to go, too. I don't know maybe if you can sh- go. Maybe we should quit our jobs and try to... Be in the FBI? Yes. They would probably put us in white-collar crimes. <laughs> they would take one look at us and be like, these girls are not like, cut out. Who did you used to work for? We're putting you in the white-collar crimes. They would probably... Be, no, they would look at us and they would be like, yeah, you're not chasing anyone down with a gun. We're <laughs> White-collar crimes it is for you. You're going to take down a Bernie yes, Madoff. That's true. Those aren't as fun. No. Nah. They go to a rich person jail and have a nice time. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> Rich person jail. It's like that guy who stormed the Capitol and he ended up going to jail. And he, they were like, we have to give him organic food because if he doesn't, he'll get sick. And I'm like, <laughs> this motherfucker should have thought about that before he tried to break into the Capitol. He should have thought about it. Um, so according to some more uh, Reddit holes that I fell down, that there were investigators that were serving warrants to get DNA samples from men around town. So here's the thing. You don't get DNA samples unless you have something to test against. Right. The thing to me is that it seems weird that they wouldn't reveal that they have DNA. Because I feel like if anything, it would make the guy squirm more. 
Now, that's just my opinion. But maybe they don't have DNA. Maybe they're collecting in case they get DNA. I don't know. Maybe. I'm... I just, I don't know. That it's the whole thing is strange. I also get the I I since the crime was so awful, it's almost like I wouldn't I would assume that he had some form of like sexual thing, especially since they were like a sexual power thing. They never revealed if they were sexually assaulted. I know, I know but I feel like they probably were. They he probably saw, were. He saw these two girls. He wanted to scare them. He, I mean, I, I would be safe to say any, any adult male who wants to murder children is usually to hide, maybe hide the crime of pedophilia. Um, uh, the, I also, the fact that he murdered them so brutally, I just feel like it's a really big power thing. And I feel like. I would assume that there would be DNA, but like you said, we don't know. The profile, basically, from what I've read, is that this person is between 18 and 40. They're highly intelligent. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, they've done this before. This is not their first murder. Mm-hmm. And they hold down a normal job. They blend in very well. They could actually um, be following, potentially, Facebook groups that are oh, about the murders. That is... That is... The most terrifying thing, whenever there are like search parties for people, mm-hmm. people that are missing or Facebook groups, support groups, and the perpetrator actually follows along, it is so awful to me. I just, it's the most terrifying thing. The police, the police authority said at a press Ugh. conference that this person is literally hiding in plain sight. So this is, this is someone who's really good. So, mm-hmm. um... There's a growing consensus among true crime groups that this isn't the killer's first time. A lot of folks are starting to lean heavy into the theory that this is an experienced serial killer who is organized and knows how to blend in. And I agree. He knew where to go on the trail that others wouldn't uh, be easily accessible. So, -hmm. like, where he left the bodies was just enough off the trail. And it's at a part of the trail that wouldn't be busy during that time of day. So he waited and watched for the best opportunity to take the girls, and he was prepped enough to take two girls, which is a huge risk, because what if, what if one runs away? What about screaming? What about, like, all kinds of stuff? So clearly he's done this before. He's yeah, extremely organized. Yeah, almost like he is premeditated. Like, he went there knowing what he was going to do. He left very little physical evidence, and if it weren't for Libby's videos, police would have actually nothing to go on. Literally nothing. I feel like we have to solve it just for the pure sake that she was a murderino and she was so smart if i was a teenager even now and a man was following me on a hike i would never think to like hide my phone and turn the camera on and like video them yeah and he left that he left the phone because he didn't know that she had recorded him i know which is crazy because he probably would have taken it he's so well organized Mm -hmm. so a couple years ago uh the prosecutor in delphi at the time robert ives revealed a very interesting thing Okay. He revealed that there were three signatures found at the crime scene. What? Yeah. There were three signatures found at the crime scene of the murders. So it was three males. No, 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 no. There were three very specific things that this killer did. It oh. was his signature. Oh. So this is why police are keeping oh. details under wraps. They believe that when the killer strikes again, he won't be able to help himself leaving one or more of the signatures at the scene that will tie him to the murders. 
Interesting. According to Robert Ives, these signatures are so specific is why they're keeping it to themselves. Because if they were replicated by a copycat murderer, it would really throw the investigation off. Mm -hmm. So they have to know if they see these signatures again, it is the person. I hope he doesn't murder again, but I really want to know what those signatures are. So there was an interview I read where basically a reporter asked an investigator if they're playing the waiting game. And he was like, I hope to God there's not another body. But that's what they are doing. They're playing the waiting game. I hate I hate that so much. I feel like they had to do that with like um the Night Stalker. Like they they, did. they, they did. literally had to wait for him to kill again to get more information because they had no idea who he was. And that's what this kind of reminds me of. Like mm-hmm. like you know if he is like if he does have this urge to kill and he can't control it anymore and he ha- like you're basically waiting for him to kill again mm-hmm. just to solve the case. And that God, that's so terrifying, especially for people in the community, too. So, there was a press conference. God. Uh, I think it was last year. What was last year? 2019? No, 2020? <laughs> there's All the years are just blending together since quarantine. I'm just in a state of constant not knowing. So, there was an interview. There was a press conference. And in the press conference, the sheriff speaks to the killer. And he tells the killer, basically, I know that you think you got away with this. And he tells him, I know that you think that that you're incredibly smart. And some of the language he uses is very interesting. But the thing that was crazy to me is he says, I wake up every day and I think to myself, who's next? And I think you do the same thing. He's talking to the killer and and he's like, I think you wake up every day and you think to yourself, who's next? And he said, I pray to God that I find you before that. But that's my question. Mm. He's not about who's next. Who's the next victim? Yeah. It's the wildest thing. And so that was where Paul Holes basically said on when they talked about it on their podcast, Paul Holes was like, the BAU definitely gave them a profile and they're working it with that press conference. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why things are going the way they're going. It's based on a profile. They're playing a long yeah. game. Which so, I love. Love that the BAU is involved. Yeah. So, um... Here's the thing. Uh, There were three very specific signatures of the crime. Mm -hmm. And they know that if, when he strikes again, unfortunately, he'll use them. And they'll be able to tie him to the murders. That'll help them find him more. Uh, So they're basically playing this waiting game. And if we know anything about serial killers, though, who, especially the ones who are organized, the waiting game is what they're good at, unfortunately. I mean, think BTK. Serial killers who are patient are the most dangerous. Yes. Uh, local police assured the public on the four-year anniversary, which was this past February, uh, that the case is still very open and there are two detectives dedicated to the case literally every day and that search warrants are still being served, tips are happening, the mm-hmm. FBI is still involved, it's still very active, which is good to hear, but also if that's how active it is and there's so much manpower being put into it, what is going on? Why yeah. are there no more answers? And that's what Libby's mom asks in the YouTube documentary. She's like, I don't understand, like, what's happening. Uh, when the case goes to trial, the prose- prosecutor claims that all this evidence will become public. And he told the reporter that he is confident he's going to have answers for this case. And that they will catch the person. He says, or people who did this. Mm-hmm. I do not think there's very much evidence suggests it's two people. Also, I feel like if it was two people, I feel like... Someone would have cracked. Yes, someone would have cracked. Someone would have, like, told someone else that they trust. Like, 
Like, I just don't think there's two. I think Mm-mm. that this guy is very manipulative. I think he scared these two girls, and they were obviously terrified. They got bad vibes from him, which is why they took the video in the first place. And they probably just listened to him because they were terrified. And, like, when you're young, like, a, one thing that you do know, especially if this girl, if she's if she's a murderino, you don't want to... Sometimes it's good to fight back because you might get away, but then other times it's kind of good to, like, get on their side and, like, play along with them. Especially if, like, they didn't know that he was going to murder them. Maybe they thought, like, maybe they were just, like, scared and they didn't really know. And, like, what, they were in, like, sixth grade? Yeah. No, they were in eighth grade. But still, in eighth grade, I was emo. I would have no (laughs) idea what I was doing. It's funny you say that because Libby's mom actually says she thinks what happened. Libby's mom thinks it's only one person. Mm-hmm. What Libby's mom thinks happened is that he somehow got a hold of Abby first and threatened Abby's life. And she said, I know my daughter. She wasn't going to leave Abby out here in the woods with that man by herself. And mm-hmm. that she probably did whatever he wanted after he got Abby. And she probably, Libby probably thought that uh, if they just did what he wanted, they could he would let him go. That's, yeah. That's what Libby's mom thinks. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to uh, also mention real quick that this, uh, the new prosecutor in the county where the murders took place, uh, he is stressing to the public that if you see something, say something. Please don't discredit any tips, any gut feelings. Right. Because they are all more than happy to take tips. They have people working on this constantly. They just ask that you do not send a side-by-side photo of someone you know <laughs> and the sketch artist. I mean, sketch. it's like it's like the first episode when we were talking about the I forty killer or, or and and Morganic, where like someone knows something. Oh, the Bible, and, like, belt, yeah, yeah, and even like the smallest thing could be huge to them that huge. they would have might not have thought about. That's and what so the investigators like, kept saying. Yeah, and it's like I will still sh- be stressing it if you know someone's sketching your life and you're like, wow, they could have done that. You Here's should the thing. probably do it just to be safe. Here's the thing. I do not think it's going to be someone that people feel sketchy about. I think it's going to be That's someone true. who you usually are like, this person's a great person, but there's just an off. Yeah, like the BTK killer. Feeling. I know that he was a deacon. He was like this great guy He's a Boy Scout leader. But if I... He just looks creepy. Like, I know that's not okay to say, but he... Like, the B, BTK, like, looked like he... Something was off. There like, were there were plenty of people you know, who knew him, though, who said that, he, that it was completely shocking. <sighs> so, I mean... But I do feel like there's at least one person, there's someone who knows someone, and it they're like normally... They're, but their their mind keeps telling them, no, 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 they're a nice person. They do this, they do or that. Or maybe they're normal, but right after the murder, they were kind of... Something was different. Something was like off. something was off. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the only thing. It's like a gut thing. So like trust your gut, guys. Uh, but if you know something, say something. If you feel the slightest bit off, please trust your gut. Your gut is more powerful than you'll ever believe. And please call the tip line or email the tip line. I'm going to post it on social media, uh, but I'm also in our website. But I'm going to also say here, the tip hotline is 844 844- Four five nine five seven eight six. The email is Abby A B B Y and A N D Libby L I B B Y tip at C A C O S H R F dot com. They need to shorten that. Um, 
So one bright spot here as we kind of close this out is that Kelsey, Libby's older sister who dropped the girls off that day and was the last oh, to see them imagine? alive. No, I can't imagine. Ugh. Um, the one bright spot here is that Kelsey is currently studying to work in forensics in honor of her sister's dream and also to solve her sister's murder. Oh. Which makes me want to cry. <laughs> I want to say one more thing too. Like when someone gets away with murder, it creates this massive ego boost. Uh, they start to believe there's some sort of above human God intellectual being. I love it when they catch them. I mean, they, they when they get away and like year after year, they start to think, wow, I'm just that good. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's something else that happens is it makes them feel safer with every passing year, um, that they can get away with it. And safe means mistakes. And there is a mistake. There's a witness. There's something, there's DNA. There's something he did, something he's going to do. Um, he's not safe. He's not hyper intelligent. He's a coward and he's going to be caught. I don't think he is mistakeless. It's impossible to be mistakeless. There was a mistake that he made at this crime scene. And I feel like the police know what it is and they're not, they're not releasing it to the public because it's a big one. Why would the FBI have him in the top 10 most wanted for a state murder? Mm -hmm. Unless there's more. So Libby's mom does not believe that the FBI or... Uh, the local police are going to solve it. Uh, Libby's mom believes it's going to be internet sleuths. I hope so. So, I don't know. There you guys go. Like, there's actually, mm-hmm. there's a victim's mom who really believes in the power of true crime-obsessed folks. I do, too. I we I am not a web sleuth by any means. I don't think I can solve a case, necessarily. Like, it's happened. It, it has happened. And there there's people in podcasts out there that do that. That's like, like, um, Jensen and Holes. Like, they have done it before. There's lots of people who do it, yeah. And, and even, like, I guess, like, for me, I feel like I tell these stories to give them to a web, a web sleuth, and they can search it and solve it. Like, I would love to be that person. I don't think I am that person, but I feel like we are the people who give them information and get awareness out there so web sleuths can take it and solve it. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, that's the Delphi murders. That's the murders of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. That's wild. (sighs) Um, I'm going to be covering the disappearance of Mara Mori. I have never heard about this. It's really fun. I basically... It's fun? It's not. (laughs) Um, it's not fun, but the podcast is fun. So, Mm. whatever. Um... It's not fun. I basically heard about this a couple years ago because I watched it on 2020. Oh, okay. And that's the only place I've ever seen it. Really? It was on 2020. And I was intrigued because this girl, I mean, I'll obviously talk about her, but she went to college at UMass in Amherst, which is really close to where my family lives. And oh. I remember watching it and being intrigued. And I was like, wow, that's really close to where my family lives. But I've never heard of it. Really? Yeah. And some parts in the story, like some of the roads she took and stuff, like I've driven on those roads before. So it's so kind of it's kind of fun. It's like a hometown by proxy through your family. I guess. I mean, my family didn't know it, but it happened near them. So how do they not know about it though? It ends up I'm sure they, I'm sure they know about it, but it's not like they're not tied to it. Like they didn't know this person. Oh, I'm gonna say something depressing. It's just because there's just so many in the world, we can't keep up with them all anymore. I don't know. I mean, depressing. I mean, the town that my parents live in is very low crime rate. This is kind of like, it's like 30 minutes from my dad's house. Oh, wow. Something like that. 
Okay. So, Mara Murray was born May 4th, 1982 in Brockton, Massachusetts to Fred and Lori Murray, and she was the youngest daughter in their family. She had two older sisters named Julie and Kathleen, one older brother named Fred Jr., and a younger brother named Curtis. She grew up in a working-class family in Hanson, Massachusetts, which is a suburb on the South Shore. She was an overachiever academically and athletically. Um, She was on the track team, and she actually broke several school records. And she was also um, really into hiking and just sports in general. She graduated top of her class, and after high school, had her pick at several colleges, but decided to follow in her older sister Julie's footsteps and go to West Point. Ooh. And if you don't know what West Point is, it's very, it's very much a prestigious like military school. I knew a girl who went to West Point. I bet she's badass. It was her and all of her sisters went. Because her dad went to West Point. <clears throat> yeah, it's like hardcore. But I think if you have family, they're more like, they accept you more. Yeah, because like, you have, you have yeah. heritage. Yeah. Yeah. So she was accepted. And while there, she studied chemical engineering. Ooh. So she, she was a smart gal. But during her second year at West Point, she decided that the military wasn't for her. So she transferred to UMass at Amherst, where she decided to get a nursing degree. Wait, you can do that? You can transfer out of the military? I mean, West Point is kind of like a school, so I think oh, she okay. just like transferred any credits that she had over to UMass. So maybe I don't know this. Maybe I don't understand this. But if you go to West Point, it's like you're in the military, but you can get out. Or like when you graduate, do you just get offered like a job in the military? I don't know that much about West Point. I don't know. To be honest. I know that it's very hardcore and it's really hard to get into and it's just a tough place. I'm just going to say it, you guys, unless you're doing like becoming a lawyer or a doctor or something with engineering, school's a scam. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that in a sense of like, like an expensive school's a scam. Education is very worthwhile to have education, to be understanding. Mm-hmm. It will make you a better person, but don't p- spend a bunch of money on it unless you're going to do one of those other things I mentioned. But then again, I went to a smaller school and I'm still like $20,000 in debt. So Yeah, but it's not like you but it's not like you went to Harvard. Yeah, like Columbia. There's, there's people who just go get a bachelor's from a really high-end school just to say they went to Baylor or something like that. Really calling yeah. names here. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like why did you do that? Why would you spend I mean, I don't even know how much Baylor is on a psychology degree that you're not even going to go get your PhD in. An art degree. An art degree. Oh, God. We're, we're not going to... We can blow Listen, this out. listen. We're going to get so much hate mail. I know. All I'm saying is try to save money, guys. Try to save money. But anyway, money. I think she went to West Point with the intention to like be in the military and do... Chemical engineering is like a big thing. That's so intense. I feel, like, I feel like her being there was like a good choice. Yeah. But... If it's not for you, it's not for you. And she decided that the military wasn't her thing. So she transferred to UMass at Amherst, where she decided to get a nursing degree. Um, when she disappeared, she was 21 and in her junior year of nursing school. 21? Wow. Mm-hmm. So it all starts February 7th, or a little backstory, February 7th, 2004. So mm. her father, Fred, goes to Amherst to go car shopping with Mara and later that evening, they went out to dinner. And then after dinner, after dinner, Mara drops Fred off at his hotel and he's staying that he's staying at. And she borrows his Toyota Corolla and returned to campus to attend a dorm party in which she arrived at around 1030 p.m. 
So I don't think she had a car, but I think she was just like using his while he was in town. Oh, okay. So around like 10.30 p.m. So at 2.30 a.m. Friday, February 8th, which is four hours later, she leaves the party, but at 3.30 a.m. on her way to her father's hotel, she strikes a guardrail on Route 9 in Hadley. So she... so it says she left at 2.30, but she, at 3.30, she had a wreck. So I don't really know where the time difference is there between that hour, between 2.30 and 3.30. Maybe she's driving slow because she's drunk or something. Maybe, but but I would assume that her father was staying in a hotel in Hadley in Amherst, and it doesn't take an hour. Well, like Unless said, he was staying like towns and towns over yeah maybe she was like i said maybe she was driving really slow i don't know so so on her way to her father's hotel she strikes a guardrail on route 9 in hadley causing nearly ten thousand dollars in damages wow the officer who responded to her accident wrote her her accident report but there was no documentation of a field sobriety test so they didn't give her a sobriety test that we know of there's no there's there isn't one on file. That's confusing. It's very odd. So the officer drove her to her father's hotel, and at 4.49, which I also find this weird, and I don't really understand why it happened, but I felt like adding it just for fun. So the officer drove her to her father's hotel at 4.49 a.m. There was a cell phone call placed to her boyfriend from her father's phone. But the participants and content of the phone call are unknown. Like, they don't know if he answered? They don't know if her father called her boyfriend. Oh. They don't know if maybe her phone was dead, so she used her father's phone to call her boyfriend. Like, but I'm not going to, like, speculate anything, but if it's 449 in the morning, you just got in a car wreck, you may or may not be intoxicated, are you, like, in your boyfriend, who her boyfriend was in the military, but he he was stationed in Oklahoma. Oh, my God. So, my thing is, I'm like, why would you call him at 449 in the morning? Like, you know, he'd probably sleep in. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I don't, I was not there. I don't That's know. That's weird. It's very strange. I just thought I'd put that in there. So, later on the next morning, Fred, her father, learned that the damage to his car would be covered by his insurance. So, he rented a car and headed back to Connecticut where he lived. Oh, so he left her. I mean, like, she she was in college. Like, yeah, he yeah. didn't, like, leave her. Yeah. She just, like, he had to go back to where he lived. Yeah, he was just like, okay, good, you're cool. Yeah. So, at 1130 that night, he called his daughter to remind her to get accident forms from the DMV, and they agreed to talk Monday night to discuss the forms and to fill out their insurance claim via phone. Which is helpful. Yeah. So, later on that Monday night, Mara is on her personal computer and uses MapQuest for directions to the Berkshires and Burlington, Vermont. So, MapQuest, I don't know if you know this because you're younger than me. No, I know MapQuest. Um, it's basically what people used um, when they couldn't get GPS on their phone and, like, GPS, like, actual, like, things that you could put in your car for GPS weren't oh, yeah. a thing. You would just Google, like, your location and then on MapQuest, you put in your location and then where you want to go. And MapQuest would just, like, print out, like, oh, yeah. directions. I remember my dad having just the pages and pages whenever we go on road trips. Mm-hmm. And my mom would be in the passenger seat trying to, like, go through the pages and be like, Ricky, turn here. 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I thought this was an interesting. The Berkshires in Burlington, Vermont. So the Berkshires is basically, is basically where my family lives. So I was like, that's mm-hmm. interesting. That is weird. Um, so February 9th, 2004. February 9th, 2004. Mara submitted her nursing homework electronically because it was a snow day. And she let her professors know that she would be out for the week because she had a death in her family. And when they started to investigate, there was actually no death in her family. She was basically just using it as an excuse to not go to class for a week. So she placed a call to the owner of some condos in Bartlett, New Hampshire, some rental condos, which was a special place to her because her and her family would vacation there sometimes. Um... The owner did not rent the condo to Murray, though. She told no friends or family about her travel plans. She packed a bag with toiletries, makeup, workout attire, school books, and several days' worth of clothes. At 1 p.m., I'm about to get into a timeline here, so listen up. So at 1 p.m., Mara emails her boyfriend, who is currently in the military and stationed in Oklahoma. The email says, I love you more, stud. I got your messages, but honestly, I didn't feel like talking to much of anyone. I promised to call today, though. I love you, Mara. That's weird. And so at 2.05 p.m., Mara called a number associated with rental properties in Stowe, Vermont. At 2.18, she called her boyfriend and left a voicemail since he didn't pick up. And at 3.15, Mara stopped at an ATM and withdrew $280 which was almost all the money in her account when she stopped at <laughs> yes college I re- friends you know I relate saying? to that I relate to that so much <laughs> <laughs> then in true college style she stopped at a liquor store and bought $40 worth of alcohol which included Bailey's Kahlua vodka and a good old box of Franzia <laughs> no way <laughs> mm-hmm. She left the Amherst Hadley area around 4.30 and drove her 1996 Saturn towards New Hampshire. Oh, she was planning on a party. So, at 7.27 p.m., Faith Westman, a resident of Haverville, New Hampshire, called the police and said that there was a car accident near her home and she saw a car stuck in the ditch. So, Faith Westman, she the house that she lived at was kind of like adjacent to... The car, the car accident that was stuck in the ditch. Yeah, and so, and also, she wouldn't have noticed it from where she was at, but she heard a, she heard kind of like a boom, like yeah. something hitting something, and so she called to report it. And shortly after that, a bus driver named Butch Atwood drove by and spoke to Mara and asked if she needed any help and asked if she needed to call the police, but she declined both offers and said that she had just got off the phone with AAA. And they were on their way. Did she? Triple A has no record of her calling and reporting her wreck. Really? Mm-hmm. So he got home at 742 and called the police to report her accident just in case. Oh, thank God. And it said that he called because she wasn't acting weird, but she he got kind of like a weird vibe. Trust your gut, people. He, he got a weird vibe. And also, like, the cell reception was really bad in the area. So he was like... I don't know if maybe she was freaked out by me, like offering her 
He was like, but cell service is not good. So I don't know if she got through to AAA or not. And she didn't want him to know because it's a man walking up to you with an accident. Like, I'm alone and I can't get cell service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would do the same thing. That so she sense. was like, no. She's like, I called AAA. But AAA confirmed that that was not true. They didn't have a record of her calling on file. Maybe she couldn't get service. Maybe. And so he got home at 742 and called the police to report her accident just in case. Yeah, I was going to say, I would totally be like, yeah, 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 I totally called someone. Someone's coming for me, even mm-hmm. if I couldn't get service and I'm panicking and freaking out. Exactly. Man, yeah, I would do the same thing. So that was at 742, and the police, the first police officer arrived at the scene at 746 p.m., so four minutes after. Oh, wow. He called. The police showed up that fast. That's fast. Um, and Mara was gone. In four minutes. Mm-hmm. Her car was locked. Her boxed wine was behind the driver's seat. There were red stains on the ceiling of her car and the inside door of her car. It wasn't blood, but appeared to be wine. (laughs) I don't know where that's coming in. And a Coke bottle with a red liquid in it, which they also determined was most likely wine. Oh, so she was... Okay. There was also red wine stains on the outside of the car in the snow. She brought her wallet and cell phone with her wherever she went. She also had a book on the back seat called Not Without Peril which is a book about hiking the White Mountains. Where are the White Mountains? I don't know. I didn't get that far. So <laughs> she basically makes herself a drink, it sounds like. She makes herself a cocktail. She takes her phone, her keys, and she just goes off into the night. She was. She did wreck. So her airbags had deployed. Her car was total, but she was fine. So maybe she was drinking. As far as we know. So I... Maybe when the airbags went off, yeah. Maybe, and that's how red wine got on her ceiling and everywhere. Yeah, like she's drinking, it, it hits, it gets everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, she takes off with the phone and the keys. I don't know if she had her keys with her, but the car was locked, and she did take her wallet and her cell phone. Yeah, so it's almost like she took off walking. Mm-hmm. So there were also red wine stains on the outside of the car in the snow. She brought her wallet and cell phone with her. She also had a book in the backseat called Not Without Peril, which is a book about hiking the White Mountains. The cop contacted Butch, the truck driver, and had him help him search the roads for Amora in case she had walked off. A state trooper also responded and showed up at the scene with fire EMS, all to search for Amora. So the bus driver's interaction with Amora is the last known sighting of her. Since there has been no trace of her and no activity on her cell phone or bank accounts. During the beginning stages of the investigation on her whereabouts, many thought that she may have left her own on her own accord since she took almost all her money and told no one on told no one her travel plans. There was also no evidence of foul play. There wasn't any blood, nothing like that. Really? No signs of a struggle. So February tenth, the next day, police put out a bolo for Marie. And they informed her family, and all of them, including her boyfriend, um, came to search for Amora. So her boyfriend flew from Oklahoma all the way to New Hampshire to help her family search for her. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Her father was and still is leading the charge in, in the search for his daughter. Since 2004? Mm-hmm. That's a long time. So on February 11th, her boyfriend was interrogated by police, but there was no way he was directly involved since he was in Oklahoma at the time of her disappearance. At 7 p.m., police said they believe Mara came to New Hampshire to run away or commit suicide, but her family strongly disagreed with the police's assumption. They 100% think she was taken against her will. February 12th. 
Police report that Murray may be headed to the Kankamogus, Kankamogus Highway area. I don't really know why they said this. I couldn't find anything online. Yeah. And But I just added it just in case there's a sleuth out there that wants to Google it and see. Yeah. Um, so repeat, police report that Murray might be headed to the Kankamogus Highway area. You've got this. <laughs> and that she was listed in endangered... That she was listed as endangered and suicidal. They also stated that during her wreck, she was intoxicated, although the bus driver said that she did not seem um, impaired at all. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's like depending on who you are. Right. How long is your interaction? Do you know the person? You really can't tell. Mm-hmm. So 10 days after her disappearance, so February 19th, the FBI gets involved and expands the search for her to be nationwide. They conduct a second air and ground search using a helicopter with thermal imaging, as well as using cadaver and tracking dogs on the ground, but they find nothing. 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 Not a thing. At the end of February, the family left their hotels and went home until the police could find more information, or unless they had, like, a lead. Yeah. But Mara's dad, Fred, went back to New Hampshire almost every weekend to search for his daughter. No way. On March to, in March 2004, in Montgomery, Vermont, which is 66 miles from Mara's wreck, a woman named Brianna Maitland also disappeared, and the media and law enforcement took notice due to the similarities. State police have stated there are no links between the two cases. In April and June, New Hampshire and Vermont police dismissed any connection and that there wasn't evidence of a crime at Murray's wreck site and that they did think someone saw Murray offered her a ride, and she took it. Hmm. There were subsequent searches throughout 2006 and 2010, but there were still no signs of Mara. Fun fact. In 2007, the Arkansas group called Let's Bring Them Home offered a $75,000 reward for information that could solve her disappearance. From Arkansas? Mm-hmm. That's wild. It is wild. I was like, that's, a, that's fun. Um, in February 2019, Fred stated he believed his daughter was dead, that someone picked her up from her wreck and killed her. You know, you think you and I talked about this, uh, cause I was reading a bunch about, um, parents who have abducted children and some, like some of the children who were found alive, like the mm-hmm. parents were like, I knew that they weren't dead. Like they just knew. And yeah. then, oh, sorry. That was a perp. <laughs> that was wild. Some of the parents who had... Dead children said that they knew when it happened. Like, they just had a, a deep feeling, which is some mysterious voodoo that I am obviously not familiar with because I'm not a mother, you're not a mother. But yes. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this person who's so connected to you that you have some sort of strange spiritual connection mm-hmm. that you just know when they're not there anymore. So yeah. I really wonder if just as a parent, he just knew when it happened, when it was maybe. over. Yeah, maybe. That's wild. So I'm going to go into the four main theories that I found that web sleuths and news and police and authors and podcasters and journalists, they've all come up with. And these are the four main ones that I found. Okay. So the number one theory was the most prominent theory is that Mara was picked up by an opportunistic killer. Mm. Whether that killer was a local from the area, someone who was just passing through, or someone who knew her, we do not know. As a number one theory. Theory two. 
Murray was running from her own life that evening, and she set off to disappear, and that she did. People think that she tried to disappear from her own life. Was it really she bad? She was just... No, I didn't see any signs that her life was bad. Um, she was close to her siblings, as far as I could tell. Her parents were divorced. They got divorced when she was six. But it seems like she had a pretty good relationship with them. I'm sorry. When you're 21... Nothing, nothing to make her life, like... That I would think she would want to run away and disappear from. I'm sorry. When you're 21, you're not... You're just not smart enough to disappear that well. Like, you're just not. That's true. That's be true. Um, Theory three. Murray took her own life. Maybe she left her dorm with suicide on her mind, and the crash just cemented her resolve. So she took a $280, spent 40 of it on alcohol, so she could go kill herself? I... Technically, don't think that that's true because it, we also saw in the beginning she submitted her nursing homework. And it's like, if I'm about to kill myself, I'm about to do shit. No. I'm about to be like, bye, and just like go. What's theory for? And also, why did she pack all of her stuff? If and she her was just going to do that. And yeah, like, what's, yeah. what's theory for? Exactly. Theory four some believe in a panic and stunned by the accident, she ran into the woods to avoid the authorities and got lost and died of exposure. The area where she disappeared is desolate, surrounded by woods, and the route is dark, and someone unfamiliar with the train could easily become lost. Okay, but the cadaver dogs found nothing. Exactly. That's where the suicide theory and the uh, theory that she got lost and died of exposure makes no sense. The, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm stuck somewhere. I do believe cadaver dogs could have found her, but sometimes cadaver dogs are not reliable. Mm -hmm. I, I'm stuck somewhere between theory one where someone took her and theory three or theory four where she like ran off and literally died of probably hypothermia because there was a snowstorm. I, I'm going to go with theory one. So, and theory four, if she was intoxicated, maybe she did panic because she was like, I got into a second wreck. I'm drunk. Like, I can't call the cops. I don't have cell service. That's true. And then if they do come, like, I'm going to get in trouble. And it's like, my parents are going to think I went off the rails because I'm like, but why is there I didn't never been a body? Plans. I don't know. Because she couldn't have gotten far. That's the thing. She would not know. have gotten far enough that they wouldn't have found her. I think theory one makes so much more sense. An opportunistic killer takes her, drives her across yeah. state lines. Dumps her. Yeah, like I am, I am like in somewhere in the middle between like one and four, but that's where I'm at. So if there was a body, I guess I would probably believe four. Yeah. So in 2009, five years after her disappearance, um, Murray's disappearance was given to the New Hampshire Cold Case Division, and authorities are looking at it as a suspicious disappearance. Oh, thank God. Which is better than she just went to go kill herself. <laughs> she killed herself in the woods. Off the highway. That, come on. In the past few years, her cases received media attention on 2020, which is where I saw it. Um, disappeared. Countless podcasts. hey And a ton of internet message boards and forums. And in 2004, when Maura went missing, social media was still in its infancy. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Facebook was only five days old at that point. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's not like you could be like... My friend's missing. Go look for her. That's like, true. You know what I mean? I mean, she printed off MapQuest. Come on. And then back to Jensen and Holes. In 2014, Bill Jensen wrote for Boston Magazine about Mara's case and said, On the internet, Mara's disappearance is the perfect obsession. 
a puzzle of clues that offers a tantalizing illusion. If the right armchair detective connects to connects the right dots, maybe the unsolvable can be solved. And so every day the case attracts new recruits, analyzing and dissecting and reconstructing the details of their story with a Warren Commission-like fervor. Here's the thing about amateur sleuths. I know that there's probably some law enforcement that gets really irritated or people in law enforcement that get really irritated Mm -hmm. because they dedicate their whole lives to this. But what's the number one thing that always comes up with these cold cases? It's always the term fresh eyes. Well, when you have people who are true crime obsessed, uh, they're basically going through training already, but then they're also people who are obsessed with like solving these murders that's like thousands and thousands of fresh eyes constantly. Yeah. You can't get a better situation than the internet helping solve crimes. And I love how I put it where it's like, I'll read it again. It's just so poetic to me. And it almost made me emotional when I read it. Cause it's like, you couldn't solve this, but there's tons of other people out there who are like willing to solve it. They're going to connect the dots. It was mm-hmm. what, what he's saying is basically someone is going to figure it out. Yeah. I love that. So, on the internet, Mara's disappearance is the perfect exception, a puzzle of clues that offers a tantalizing illusion. If the right armchair detective connects the right dots, maybe the unsolvable can be solved. And so, every day, the case attracts new recruits, analyzing and dissecting and reconstructing the details of their story with a warring commission-like fervor. I mean, I guess if you think about solving crimes, and maybe this is a really infantile way to look at it but it's just a problem to be solved Mm -hmm. it's a very it's almost like a mathematical intense problem to be solved like if you solve this thing then that solves this thing then this solves that and then you have what x equals right i don't know so that is the disappearance of mara murray we literally know nothing it's so unsatisfying it's so unsatisfying it's so like it's very unsatisfying, and that's why, it, like, that's why, like we say in our bio, like, these are the stories that keep us up at night. Because I'm like, no one knows anything? Yeah, there's just nothing. That's it? She just disappeared off the face of the planet, and there's nothing there? Um, her parents do on, I think it's, like, off Highway 112 or Route 112 where she wrecked. There is a blue ribbon on a tree. Mm. Um, and as I think in 2021, this year... I think it was this year. Her family is like fighting to get a monument there in memory of her since they obviously have nothing else left of her that they know I think of. it's crazy that they're like, the dad's like, no, I think she's dead. Mm-hmm. I think well, that's I mean, crazy. it's been 17 years. Yeah. You know? They've probably, they have to move on at some point. Yeah. So if you have any information on the Mara Murray case or where she might be or know of her whereabouts... Please call the New Hampshire State Police at 603-721-1162. And the sources I use for my story are Wikipedia, maramurraymissing.org, and thecheatsheet.com. Nice. And that is everything that we know. That's going to keep me up tonight. Since 2004. That's going to keep me up all night. Like, I just, I, I, to me, how close is it to Canada? The area. Not super close. Um, There have been people who have sent in pictures being like, this is Mara, and her family has, like, looked at it, and they're like, that's definitely not her. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I hate that. So, 
I mean, shout out to those people because I think that they really are trying to help. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, if it's not, it's not her, it's not her. Her so. travel plans in general are very confusing. Her travel plans are very confusing. I think one of my theories is I think she was going, something was happening to her emotionally. Um, I don't know if she was struggling with school or... Nursing school is very stressful. And maybe she wanted a break. She's also in a long-distance relationship. Double stressful. Maybe she went on a break. Like, she wanted a break from school, but she knew that she wasn't going to get out of it. So she was like, oh, I had a death in the family, which gives her, like, an instant, like, week off. Yeah. And so with that... And she's calling the condo, so she's thinking, I'm going to stay somewhere for a week. Yeah, she wants to, like, go to Vermont or New Hampshire. It's winter. It's cute. But she takes her books because she thinks maybe I'll catch up on stuff. Maybe. Yeah, or to, like, keep her busy while she's gone on vacation. She also buys booze to, you know, chill out. Yeah. Um, And so... I think she was going, she wanted to go away. Do you think she was going by herself or she was going to meet someone? I don't know either. That's another thing that I'm like, I don't know if she was by herself. Like part of me is like, maybe she was just that kind of person that wanted to like be alone for a week. Maybe she was like going through some stuff. But then again, I'm like, maybe she was going to meet someone. That's why she brought booze with her. Yeah, because that's a lot of booze to take. But if she was going, there wasn't a lot of, like, phone records. Yeah, but also the, you know? other, the other crappy part is that since if social media was in its infancy, it's not like you could suddenly turn to, did she meet somebody online who catfished her? And then if she was meeting someone, like, if say if you're, like, her, you're, she's having an affair or whatever on her boyfriend, she, like, goes to the mountains, like, meet a boy or, like, meet friends... Like, you think, like, if she didn't show up and she wasn't answering her phone, you would call her other friends or her family and be like, hey, have you heard from her? Like, she was on her way here and, like... Did anyone interview her friends? I'm sure they did, but I didn't find anything about it. And they get to know, like, who she was? Like, because if she was in between boys, like, thinking about her boyfriend... I don't think she... I didn't see anything that she was. I think she was pretty into her boyfriend. They were together for a while. So she was really just kind of needing a break, it sounds like. I think so. Yeah. I think she was. I don't think she was having an affair per se. Also, I don't think it was her friends because most of her friends were nursing students with her. Yeah. And so they would all have to like miss a week. And I think like, I just don't think they, like she was doing that. I think she was alone. She didn't say anything about... I want to go away for a while. I'm so tired of school. Nothing. She didn't tell her anything to her friends or her family. She was just going to go, I guess. Maybe it was kind of a last minute thing. She was like, I'm sick of this. Or maybe she had a fight with a friend and no one wants to talk about it. And she was like, I'm so sick of this. I'm just going to go be by myself for a while. The opportunistic killer. Now, granted, what are the chances? It does happen, though. It does happen. Or, like, someone who maybe didn't intend to kill her but wanted to do things and then it felt like they had to kill her. I don't know. I don't know either. I really don't know. But they've never found her body. That's that's the thing that gets me, the never having found the body. That's why they made it national because I think, like, at that point they didn't know, like, what was happening. I felt like they probably started to think, like, oh, she crossed state lines. Somebody took her. The fact she locked her door. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. She might have. Or someone locked her door for her. Or yeah, she either did that, or there could have been drag marks or fight like signs of a struggle. There were no signs of a struggle. I'm kind of thinking somebody pulled over to pick her up, and for some reason she trusted them enough to get in the car. But see, she didn't trust the bus driver, and he offered her a ride and an 
or just to call someone. She and was, that, and at one point, at one point, she's one interview I read, she pleaded with him that she did not need anything. Okay, well then that tells me, and she, then four minutes later, she's just disappears. Okay, then that tells me that maybe she knew the person. Maybe she knew the person. I'm also like, maybe it was a girl. I'm also kind of suspicious, which I don't know why he would do this, but I'm also kind of suspicious of the bus driver since he was the last one who saw her. Yeah, that's true. But then again, I'm like, why would you call the cops for like a couple minutes later? He must have checked out. I'm sure the cops, he was suspect number one from the beginning. So I'm sure he must have checked out pretty heavily. So I literally have no idea. And like like I said, the number one theory, and which is the theory that I believe the most, is someone took her. Yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense to me with nobody. Someone took her. I don't know what they did with her, but someone took her. Yeah, I, I bet she's across state lines somewhere. But I just remember, like, when I watched the 2020 episode a couple years ago, I was so traumatized, and it really did keep me up at night because I was like, where is she? How do you just, like, steal someone out of, like... Thin air, yeah, like off the side of the room. Yes, and four minute in a four minute window. Four minutes is crazy. A four minute window. That tells me that it wasn't a struggle. That tells me she got out and went willingly. She knew the person. I don't know. I don't know either. Well, that's nuts. Either. Well, that's a that's all, folks. That's it, guys. <laughs> we that's all we got. Wow. Well, episode three in the books. How are you feeling about the podcast? I feel like this was a good episode. Like, our episode last week was good, too, but I feel like this one was pretty good. I feel like we get better. I feel like every episode, we're getting better. Let us know. Rate us. Someone rate us. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know. Yes, we do need some some rates on Apple Podcasts How if you're interested. How do you interested. feel about the first episode coming out tomorrow? I'm excited, but now that we've recorded the third one and I can tell we're getting better, I'm, like, kind of cringe. <laughs> I'm already cringe about the first episode. I'm like, man, I'm excited. But also, it's going to be a little cringeworthy. Yeah. We'll get through it, though. I already I already wish, because I've been listening to it and editing it, I already wish I would have told my story differently. I'm listening to it. I'm like, I could have done better. After I finished my story, I was like, I didn't do that great. Like, I yeah. remember like, going to the living room, and I was like, I didn't do that great. I thought your story was great on the first episode. I thought your story on the second episode was so good. We got I'm done. very excited for them to listen to. I got... I got, I got in the shower and Aaron was like getting ready for bed and I was just steady talking to him about it. And he was like, are you okay? I was like, you gotta let it go. It happened like so long ago. You gotta let it go. And I was like, but what happened? I was like, he's definitely, I was like Googling. I was like, I was like, what did men uh, who were in the military in World War II do when they came home? What was the most common job? Like, I mean, I was like determined to solve it. Yes. But... Let us know what you guys think of that episode. I mean, it's already out by the time this is coming. Yeah. Let us know. Maybe we should start email doing, us, asking for people's theories. Yeah. Email us, DM us if you must. I don't... Let us okay, know. Okay, if you do... E- okay, we, we're asking people to email us about a lot of stuff. Okay, <laughs> can you guys put in the subject line, if you do email us, the general topic? Like, is it a theory about a case? Is it a hometown about your stuff? Like, what what is it? Also, we're still wanting you... I'm adamant about this because we have not gotten it yet i want people to email us our hometown stories our hometown or their hometown their home sorry (laughs) their hometowns we already told you ours it's getting late it's getting late that's probably why we're so exhausted now but i'm still hyped yeah no i want to hear people's stories so and like like i said in the trailer it does not necessarily have to be true crime it could be like a conspiracy theory 
Um, it could be a cult story. It could be a ghosty story, a spirit box story. Just, uh, just put it in the subject line so we know what we're dealing with. Yes. Uh, so I guess I, I will just say this episode's for Norway. Thank you, Norway. <laughs> Thank you, Norway. Our first international. Of, yes. Our first international. I don't listener. know who you are. Norway, send us a message. We'll send you a free thing. Yeah, we'll send you some stickers. Yes, we will send you, Norway, we will send you free stickers. Just send us an email. Say, I'm from Norway. Yes. With like a pen drop so you can prove it. So you're not like from Ohio or something. <laughs> and we will send you stickers because we appreciate you so much. Being our first international listener. listener. And you know what? what? What the heck? Why don't we title this episode, This One's for Norway? <laughs> yes. Pour one out for Norway. Well, I mean, we love all of you, but international just hits different. It did hit different. When I saw that, I was like, what? But do you want to know our second highest listener uh, state is, is Texas? Our first is Arkansas, right? Yeah, our first is Arkansas because obviously friends, family, neighbors. Mm-hmm. But our second, not that far behind, is Texas. And I'm like, I don't know enough people in Texas for this to be driving I mean, it. I'm flattered. Yeah, Texas, love it. Texas... We'll do a story on you, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, yeah, Texas. I mean, Texas. my episode two was Texarkana. It was so. Texarkana. Texas, I'm sure, like, I when I traveled in West Texas, there's no telling how many bodies are buried out there. I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> West Texas looks like serial killer central. And it's never a mannequin, right? It's never a mannequin. It never is. All right. Good night, guys. Bye. Bye.